0: In for Mike Broomhead. It's Chris Merrill. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, great job. Nice expansion. Well expanded. Well done. (laughs) All the way around. Always, always well done. Uh, So here we are, a day and a half later, right, since the polls closed, and we still don't know about some of those big races. Not a surprise. I mean, this is what we've been talking about. You heard Stan Barnes talking about this during the news expansion. You heard Jim Sharp talking about this during a sharper point. Not a surprise. It's the system that we have it's not a bad system. The The problem with the system that we have in place right now is that it requires patience. It's something that we, as Americans, don't really have much of any longer. We don't. We want instant gratification. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm a little bit of a wonk. So... Election Day rolls around and there's this big build up and build up and build up and build up and build up. Polls are open. Nothing is like radio silence for more than 12 hours. It's this it's this anticipation. This my goodness, there's there's even fatigue that goes into it. It feels as though we've been in an election cycle for more than two years, and I understand that when it comes with uh, House races and things like that, every two years is an election. I get that. But in this case, it has felt like ever since 2020 ended, and I put in air quotes, it's felt like... We've been in campaign mode ever since then, not just uh, representatives, but politicians from every level in campaign mode, even if they're not running for reelection. Even if you have senators who aren't up this year, if you have governors that aren't up this year, uh, it, it feels as though it's campaign season nonstop. And so we're feeling fatigued. And we get this anticipation. and We build up. And how many of us were saying in July, golly, I just wish it were all over by now. But we all know in the back of our heads that if the election had been in July instead of November, that it would have just started three or four months uh, sooner anyway. Right. So it always feels like this. Just be glad it's not in in January or February. We'd still have uh, more months to go, like they do in Georgia. It just is exhausting. And then, when that that day arrives, it's like, everyone, get to the polls, and then just nothing. There is no news. It is just... There's no election news. It is election darkness. If you turn on your local news, if you turn on the R-A-D-I-O, if you crack open a newspaper uh, before you put it into the the litter box, it's all election, 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 election. And then it's just nothing. I can tell you from a broadcaster standpoint, sometimes the, the worst days to prepare a show are election days themselves. There's very little else to be said people have cast their ballots or they've made their decisions what are you going to talk about what can you talk about it's those days after that you go okay let's take a look back and in retrospect this and here's where the polls were wrong and here's how the politicians surprised us and and this is the race we didn't expect to see but in arizona it takes us a little bit longer because of our system and we don't have the patience but I got to tell you, there is this other little piece of me, if I'm being completely honest, there's this other little piece of me that sort of loves the fact that it takes a little bit longer, that delayed gratification. There's this little bit of me that just, I just enjoy it. I I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'm a masochist. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just love to extend the pain a little bit longer. I think for me, it's almost like, it's like an ovation, right? Or uh, an encore, I should say. It's like an encore. You've got Act One, the announcements. Act Two, the campaign. Act Three is the election itself. And then the results. But in our case, we have a bit of an encore where it goes just a little bit longer. And we're all left here trying to play political analysts. Every single one of us. And we turn to actual political analysts. We turn to actual political scientists to sort of dive into those numbers a little bit. But they don't, they don't know any better than you and I do. They may have a, a better understanding of how certain elections work, but they really don't know what those results are going to be. All we do is project our best guess. And there's this little bit of me that just loves that we have the center of attention for America for a little while longer. It's just a little bit, because I want those results too. I feel that same doldrum that you do in the middle of election day, but by the end of the election, or at the at the at the tail end, as the as the polls are are shutting down, as we start getting uh, some early returns, as we start seeing those ballots that were counted that were mailed in ahead of time and have already been counted, or early in the day and they've already been tabulated, whatever it might be. I, I get that little gratification. It's just a, kind of a drip, drip, drip of gratification. I kind of like that we things aren't necessarily settled. I don't know. Maybe I just love the drama. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just more drama. We're going to have drama, however, in Arizona for a while. That's not going to change. The drama will continue. Um, let's look at the governor's race. The drama will continue. If Katie Hobbs wins, there will be all sorts of uh, reconfiguring the way that we think about day of uh, election, early, early uh, voter day of election returns. (sighs) It's It's a mouthful and it's a mess. We'll rethink the way that we consider those. You'll have people that will swear it was all bogus. That It was all because those those election glitches, those tabulating machines, they were all set up and it was all part of a larger scheme. We're already seeing that on the national scale. We're already seeing the the QAnons coming out and claiming this sort of thing. We're already getting that. We're already getting it. So if Hobbes wins in a close race... If Hobbs had won in a blowout, it doesn't matter. There would have been all these questions, especially when we had the tabulation of problems on Tuesday morning. We still would have had the same exact, uh, uh, I don't want to say necessarily conspiracy theories, but questions surrounding the election and the election integrity. And we would have had another two years of Arizona's election integrity as compromised. Kerry Lake wins. We won't have that. If Carrie Lake wins, we won't be saying the election was rigged. There still may be some people saying, well, she even overcame a rigged election. That, that might still happen. But it's not going to be the center of, of, of people's arguments. Carrie Lake has laid the groundwork for a long time that the election is rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. And then if she wins, aha, I overcame adversity. That's the spin. That's an easy spin. But the drama will continue. Because then we have to consider, what is the Carrie Lake regime going to look like? You probably heard this clip before. This is uh, Carrie Lake being asked if she would accept a vice presidential nomination. And Carrie Lake, in typical Carrie Lake fashion, answers the question by first, insulting the journalist, and then second, giving an answer, Uh and then wrapping it up with another insult to the journalist. You're
1: likely to be talked about as a VP candidate. That's
0: kind of a compliment, isn't it? You're likely to be talked about as a VP candidate. That's
1: sort of a compliment. The
0: question is, and it's a reasonable one for Arizona voters to know, are you more interested in advancing your career or advancing Arizona? Will you? Do you plan to serve your entire term in Arizona, or are you open to being the VP? Are you new covering this race? Because we've talked about this before. I love that. It's just, you're a moron. You must be a real idiot for even asking me that question. doesn't matter what the question is. Whoever asks the question is an idiot. I love it. It's fantastic. Oh, it's wildly, wildly entertaining. And I don't know of anybody more comfortable in front of the camera than Carrie Lake. She's got an entire career in front of the camera. She feels very comfortable. She knows how to, how to say what's on the top of her mind. She knows how to control the, 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 the set. She gets it. I love it. It's fantastic. Immediately insults the journalist. And then answers the question. we talked about this. I've asked you this question. Is I am going to not only be the governor of Arizona for four years. I'm going to do two terms. I'm going to be your worst freaking nightmare for yeah. eight years. And we will reform the media as well. We're going to make you guys into journalists again. Oh, it's fantastic. Insult, answer, insult. We're going to make you into journalists again. Implying, of course, that they're not journalists. I don't know what that would look like, but I'm fascinated to find out. I don't know how the governor dictates the news other than granting certain access and denying access to others. I don't know uh, what it is. Uh, But golly, it's going to be a fantastic and fun four years. Regardless, the drama will continue. It absolutely will continue. (laughs) Uh, Carrie Lake is a bit of an outlier, however, and that is because she's somebody who uh, had the support of President Trump and looks like she may pull off a victory. That didn't happen nationwide. Is it still, is the GOP still Donald Trump's party? That is next. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, good morning. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead this morning, KTAR. It is uh, remarkable that we expected this blue wave, well, excuse me, this red wave uh, around the country. And it said we got more of a red Ripple. Uh, Arizona looks like it may be the state that shows uh, more of a red wave, although races will be tight. uh, I think the Republicans in many of these big races are probably going to pull out the win. Uh, Especially, as as you heard uh, in the news there, that with 600 ballots still remaining to be counted, those are day of returns uh, on those ballots. They tend to break Republican, uh, and with the the races being so tight, uh, I think it, it spells Um, I don't want to say disaster, but it doesn't look good for the Democrats who have very slim leads right now. I don't know about Mark Kelly. I don't know uh, about Adrian Fontes. Those could be a little bit tighter, but I think Carrie Lake is in a really good spot right now. Uh, I think that looks really promising for her when you just take a look at what's left. But as I mentioned in the last segment, what do I know? None of us know squat. None of us know anything. Uh, So we have to wait for those numbers to come out. Uh, The name of the game after an election, though, is blame. It's all about blame. If things go well uh, for one party, the other party says, well, whose fault is it? If there had been this red wave, as was predicted, the blame would have fallen squarely on Joe Biden. It would have been Joe Biden is the problem. Democrats would be scrambling, saying Joe Biden is the problem. Nancy Pelosi didn't help. Uh, This is a disaster. And this is all because Joe Biden is an ineffective leader. Would have been the case. Absolutely. If the red wave had come, Joe Biden's fault. Going uh, Leading up to the election, we heard about how Joe Biden's approval rating was uh, lower than any president in the last 40 years going into his first midterm, lower than uh, uh, former President Trump's uh, numbers were. It would have been Joe Biden is an effective leader. However, now it seems that the blame is falling on Donald Trump. We're seeing a number of people turning on former President Trump. Even high-profile Republicans are turning on former President Trump. Uh, they're saying that, he was, uh, that, that he's casting a shadow over the party. And that the people who turned out and were energized in 2020 uh, to vote against Trump uh, are the ones who voted against Trump candidates. Mitch McConnell said, we have a candidate problem. The problem is not uh, that people don't want to vote Republican. The problem certainly is not that they haven't redistricted in many states in a manner that favored Republicans. They have. The problem is that the candidates are not strong. Consider Georgia. If Herschel Walker were not the candidate in Georgia, there wouldn't be any question you'd have a Republican senator out of Georgia right now. You would not be having a runoff. wouldn't be a question. But instead, they put Herschel Walker up. This terrible candidate. Terrible. So now what people are saying is it's former President Trump's fault. In fact, his former favorite newspaper has now turned on him. He once called the New York Post his favorite newspaper. He later said his former favorite newspaper because they said something that was unflattering to him. Responding to the election results, New York Post ran a photo of Governor, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis along with his family on the front page, dubbing DeSantis de future. The publication adding young GOP star DeSantis romps to victory in Florida. Uh, DeSantis even flipped Miami-Dade, which is a majority Hispanic county, backing a GOP candidate for the first time in two decades. Uh, New York Post uh, said something unflattering about the uh, uh, about Trump and on his Truth Social website back in August. He said it was once his favorite paper. Um and then he was criticizing them because the paper was in defense of Mitch McConnell, who, uh, former President Trump, is not a big fan of Mitch McConnell right now. Front page of the New York Post today is a photo of Trump's head, uh, sort of photoshopped to be egg-shaped on tiny little feet, sitting on top of a, uh, a brick wall, like a privacy wall, uh, apparently in front of Mar-a-Lago. And the headline, "Trumpy Dumpty. This is from the New York Post. Trumpy Dumpty, Don, who couldn't build a wall, had a great fall. Can all the GOP's men put the party back together again? The name of the game after an election is blame. You have to keep that in mind. It's all about blame. And now former President Trump is planning on uh, announcing... We think he says he's going to make a big announcement next Tuesday in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. He says he's going to. What is that big announcement going to be? We assume it's his announcement that he's going to run for president in 2024. It would be early for someone to announce a a, a candidacy for president. Normally, we don't see those until well after the first of the year. Some of the some of those that want to get in early will do it in January. Uh, The idea to run in in November seems very early. This may be strategic. It may have to do with some of his uh, legal woes. It may have to do with investigations. And it may just be because he wants to get out there and start fundraising ahead of other people. Absolutely could be the case. But will he have the support from the GOP? That's the big question. Because right now, DeSantis is that rising star in the GOP. And frankly, the Democrats should be worried about Ron DeSantis. Because he's got momentum. And he can form sentences. He's younger. He has momentum. Republicans across the country have liked the way that he dealt with COVID in Florida. They look at Florida as an example of how the country should be run. And DeSantis won't energize the Democrats the way that Trump energizes the Democrats. Trump energizes his base better than anybody. No doubt about it. But he also energizes the Democratic base better than anybody. Biden doesn't energize the Democratic base. Trump energizes the Democratic base more than Joe Biden does. If DeSantis runs and he has the support and the energy of his base, which he will, how many Democrats, how many of those millennials that voted in this midterm, how many are going to come to the polls to support Joe Biden? Joe Biden is going to look like the weak candidate. The GOP is going to actively, watch, mark my words, the GOP is going to actively start working for DeSantis. They're not going to work against Trump, but they're going to start, they're going to start moving him to the wings. You mark my words. Because, again, the name of the game after an election is blame. And right now, they're blaming Trump. They don't want him front and center. They want DeSantis, their star, to be front and center. We'll talk uh, the Gatos Big Q of the day. That is next. It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead this morning, KTAR.
1: The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.
0: It's Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead this morning, KTAR, and the Gatos Big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We go straight to the great Larry
1: Gatos, Gatos, my man, good to talk to you again. Hey, Chris, how are you, buddy? Nice to I'm hear you. Dandy. So I got a good question, and uh, I'm, I'll let you uh, answer it. Uh, okay. You know, right. I got some good stuff. What's the best part of when an election ends? I know we're still counting votes, but what is the best part of when an election ends? A, no more political calls and texts. That's a huge one. Oh gosh! Yeah. Uh, B. The campaign signs disappear from the sides of the street. I, they yeah. got to get those things down. I, I'm tired of looking at people's faces. Yep. Uh, C. No more TV ads. That's always good. I was uh, pushing the pause button. I wouldn't watch them anymore. Yeah. Uh, or TV's D,
0: just a fad anyway.
1: <laughs> or D. All of the above. I let people out. Uh, you know, all the is it all three? I think on election day, I got about six texts in a matter of like three minutes, yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to vote for any of you. I don't like any of you candidates. Why? I don't want to vote for any you. Stop texting me.
0: And I'm the same way. As soon as I get the text, I'm like, well, that's one mark against that person, right? That's, I know, that's exactly but then there's
1: no one to vote for because everybody texts you and then you have no one to vote for. Then you have to sit out and you're like, well, I really don't want to sit out.
0: I just started every time I get the text. I scroll down and I hit the uh, uh, report junk and delete, and I hit yeah. that on every single one of those.
1: I hit the block button because I, yeah. I think if it's a, if you put stop, yeah. uh, it, they'll send you more. That's what I heard. So I just I probably Absolutely. blocked about eight thousand calls. Yeah, so.
0: my my gut reaction was the signs. I'll finally be able to see in the intersection when I'm turning the corner. That's oh, what I'm looking forward to thank the most. Goodness, those all right, Gatos are and rough. Chad this yeah, afternoon. Man. Make sure you catch it. We'll get the answer and how you felt about the Gatos Big Q poll question. of... The day we'll talk more election twenty twenty two yeehaw next Chris Marilyn from Mike Broomhead on KTAR.